Father, we are grateful for your sacrifice, sacrifice of your only Son, your beloved Son, on our behalf, the one who is willing to go to the altar as such for us, to give everything, to surrender it, to lay it all down for our sakes. We know that's your desire for us, that we would do the same, that we would come to the altar, that we would give our lives to serve you, to care for others, to raise our families, to make an impact in this community, in our state, in our country, in our world. We need you to do that. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your grace. And we need your grace this morning as we look at your word. We know that it is powerful. We know that it is insightful. We know that it cuts through everything and goes to the very root of our hearts, the root of our problems, the root of our struggles. And those are all about our focus on ourselves. We pray this morning as we see what you have to say to us, as we hear your voice, pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts and that we would understand how your word applies to our hearts. We would not be thinking about our neighbor, our brother, our sister, our husband, our wife. We would think about ourselves and our own need to come before you to lay everything on the altar, to trust you with all that we have and begin the process or continue the process of being the people that you're calling us to be. Pray that your spirit would be at work here this morning. Guide us as we hear what you have to say. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. So I figured since it was Father's Day, I should talk about Father's Day, Father's Day-ish type things. (laughs) I decided that I would talk about how to be a man since this is Father's Day. And so I decided to do a little bit of research to find out how to be a man so that I could share it with you guys. Uh, And I found an article from Esquire magazine, that bastion of truth. I found an article entitled 25 Skills Every Man Needs. Now, I'm not going to read all of them for you, but I just wanted to share some of the highlights Uh, And there was a paragraph of how to accomplish all these things. So if you want to, you can probably Google it and read the whole article. But some of the things on the list, 25 skills every man needs, how to skin a moose, how to look good in a picture, how to parallel park, how to carve a turkey, how to make pancakes from scratch, how to shine your shoes, how to console a crying woman. Those were the highlights of the list. I continued my search, found another article from GQ, uh, and this article was discussing the reality or the, the debate, I guess, of whether or not it was okay for a real man to cry. And if it's okay for a real man to cry, what are the situations that it is okay for a man to cry in? I said that wrong. What situations are there in which it's okay for a real man to cry? Um, There were a few of them, but these were the ones that stood out to me. It's okay for a real man to cry when in extreme pain. For instance, uh, if a piano falls on your foot from more than four stories high, then it's okay to cry. 
Um, guys, it's okay to cry when you hold your newborn baby. That's cool, okay? That's okay to cry. And it is also okay to cry when you uh, see certain works of art or watch certain kinds of films. It's okay to cry. Guys, if you watch Frozen with your daughter and you don't at least get a little misty, then you're a monster, okay? Because it's real, okay? It's okay in certain situations for you to cry. Now, unfortunately... That's about all we can find when we look at our world to find out what it takes to be a man. Um, Our world does not do a very good job of showing us what a real man looks like. Unfortunately, we have uh, really a lot of extremes in our culture. We have cruel, crude, domineering men who take advantage of women and mistreat them. And then we also have very passive uninterested and unengaged men who leave everything to their wives or everyone else in their lives and don't show any initiative at all. Those are the extremes that we have typically in our world. Now, you don't have to stay around this area too long here on Sunday mornings before you know that if we want to find out how to really do something well or what the right way is to live, you know that we look at God's Word. And that's what we're going to do this morning. And I want you to see this morning that the Bible provides a blueprint for what it means to be a godly man. Like everything else, God's Word talks to us about what it means to be a real man. We don't need to look at the world. We don't need to look at all those supposed role models that are out there to try and figure this out. God's Word says it for us very clearly. And we're going to look at just one verse this morning. I'm going to refer to a couple of other verses as we go through, but really going to concentrate on one verse. And this is one of my favorites when I'm thinking about the guys that I interact with on a regular basis, the guys that are in my group, guys that are in my uh, radical mentorship group, and uh, other guys that are in my life. And that's 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or it'll be on the screen. Just one verse. Paul says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Just one simple verse, 12 words. But there's really four things here that he says to us that I think are going to be key for us as we walk through this. Now, obviously... I'm going to be talking to men today, I'm talking to you husbands, you fathers, you grandfathers, but if it's okay with everybody else, I would still like you guys to stay tuned in, okay? This isn't an invitation for you to take a nap or whatever it is that you usually do when you think I'm not talking to you and I'm standing up here, but I I want to talk to everybody here this morning because here's the thing. For those of you guys that are already husbands, fathers, grandfathers, I want you to tune in because you either need to be doing this or if you're doing it right now, and I hope you are, you need to keep doing it. This is not a short-term assignment. It's the rest of your life. For you ladies that are already wives or mothers or grandmothers, I want you to see as we walk through this that, first of all, some of these things that we talk about you can apply to what God has called you to do as well. They're not exclusively for men necessarily. 
you can apply them to what you're doing. But also, I want to challenge you to be praying for your husband, the father of your children, the grandfather of your grandchildren, that he would have the strength to do what God is calling him to do. Now, for younger guys that are not husbands and dads yet, I want you guys to hear this because this is what God is calling you to. This is what God desires for you in the future. And for you young ladies that are not married, you're not wives or mothers yet, I would like you to listen to this because the things that I'm going to be talking about this morning, these are the things that you want to be praying for and looking for when you get to the point in your life when God is calling you to marry. So these things are for all of us this morning. Let's look at these four little phrases. The first one is be watchful. And the phrase be watchful literally means to stay awake or to be vigilant. Now, I don't know if this is my own problem or it's because I'm just getting older, but I have a hard time doing this when I sit down with a book or I sit down in front of the TV. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. During football season, Melody says, ask me if I'm going downstairs to take a football nap, which usually means I'm turning the Patriots on and watching for five minutes, sleeping for an hour and a half, and then watching the fourth quarter. That's usually what happens. And that's, I just, I, you know, sit down, I'm falling asleep. But Paul is talking about the opposite of that, to stay awake, to be vigilant. The opposite of vigilant is is tuned out. And so when Paul starts in here and he says we need to be watchful, what I want to say to you guys this morning is that you need to be aware, husbands, fathers, grandfathers, the leaders of your homes, you need to be aware of what's happening in your family. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Here's what a godly man does not do. A godly man does not leave this all to his wife. Now, a godly man hopefully has a godly wife who walks with him in this journey of raising a family and living life together and is invaluable to him in doing what God's asking him to do and what they are called to do together But men, God calls us to take the initiative in these things. And we should never leave all of these things to our wives to handle without us. We need to always be aware of what's going on. Uh, I don't like it when I hear guys say, you know, I get home from work and, you know, my wife, my kids are there, whatever. And I just say, I just leave me alone. I need some alone time. Leave dad alone. That's not a godly man. That's not what a godly man does. Now, of course, we need rest. We need refreshment and all those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about coming home after a day at work and going out in your shop or going out into the yard or taking off somewhere else and leaving your family and kids behind. A man is watchful. He is vigilant. He knows what's happening in his family. And the reason that is so important is because God has given you this family to care for and to protect. I want to just show you Two other times that the same word, the, what's translated be watchful for us is really just one word in the original language. And I want to see, show you two other times that that same word is used because it helps us to understand what Paul's talking about. The first one is in Matthew 24, 43. And notice what it says here. Jesus is talking and he says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have, here it is, here's the same word, stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. 
So Jesus is speaking here, and he gives this example, and I think it's one that we can understand, right? I mean, this translates to 2,000 years ago, right, guys? I mean, if you have a home and you lock your doors at night and you make sure your children are tucked in and you and your wife go to bed or whatever the circumstances are in your home, you want to protect what's in your home. Now, if I came up to you, if I was talking to Joe and I said, Joe, I heard some guys talking down on the corner the other day. I just happened to be walking by the corner. There was a group of guys there talking, and I heard what they were saying, and they said, next Tuesday night at 2 a.m., we're going to Joe Robinson's house, and we're going to break in. Now, if I heard guys saying that, and I told Joe that, what's Joe going to do? On Tuesday night, he is going to be up, he is going to be sitting in the kitchen, I think that's where the main door goes into your house, right into the kitchen. He's going to be sitting there, and he's probably going to have a shotgun on his lap. Because Joe has a wife, and Joe has four daughters, and I'm guessing he's already got a shotgun, all primed for the time when that really becomes necessary, which is happening fast, Joe. It's going to be here before you know it. Why? Because he knows, and that's what Jesus says, if the master of the house knows the hour that someone is going to break in his house, he's going to what? He's going to stay awake and make sure that doesn't happen because he doesn't want anyone to kidnap one of his children. He doesn't want anyone to harm his wife. He's going to stay awake. Now look at the second time that this word is used or other time that it's used in the New Testament is 1 Peter 5.8. Maybe some of you will recognize this verse. Be sober-minded. Here it is. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Speaking of the devil. Now, let's go back and tie this in with the first verse. If you knew that someone was going to break into your house and try to hurt your family or rob you in some way, you would stay awake, right? You would be vigilant. You would be watchful. Now, friends, what I want you to understand is there is someone trying to break into your house and harm your family. The adversary, our adversary, the devil, Paul Peter says, is looking for ways to assault your family every day. There is actually, in fact, a full-scale assault happening on your family right now. I don't know if you know it or not. I don't know if you're paying attention. That's why I'm talking about this this morning. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Stay awake because it is happening. Now, the unfortunate fact when we think about what's happening in our world today, and we touched on this a little bit last week if you were here, and we were talking about the need that we have to be holy and to grow in our holiness and our separation from all the sin and the filth of the world. The unfortunate thing is sometimes as fathers, as parents, we can be helping Satan to do it by inviting him into our home. You need to think about fathers. You need to think about 
What are your children watching on the television? What movies are they putting in? What are they looking at on the computer? What are they doing with cell phones? You need to be paying attention to those things. I don't know if you knew this or not, but right now, the average age for kids to have cell phones in the United States is 10 years old. If you did not know this, I'm not trying to be smart, but if you did not know this, I'm going to say it right now to make sure nobody leaves here without knowing this. You should not give a 10, 12, 13-year-old unfettered access to the Internet. Okay? And we need to be watchful. We need to be vigilant. That's what Paul is talking about here. We need to be taking care of our families because there is an enemy who is trying to assault your family. He's trying to infiltrate your home. And he's trying to steal your children's future. He's trying to steal their virtue. And he's trying to steal God's plan away from them. We need to be watchful. A man is watchful. Here's the second phrase in this verse from 1 Corinthians 16. Stand firm in the faith. That just means don't move. Literally means don't move. When it comes to what you believe, when it comes to what you believe about God's word, what is right, what is wrong, stand there and don't move. The word implies to persevere. What we're talking about here is consistency. The children, the wife of a godly man should not be saying, I wonder what mood dad's going to be in when he gets home today. They should not be saying, I wonder if I'm going to wish I wasn't here when dad gets back from work. I wonder if I'm going to wish I was at a friend's house. Because a godly man is consistent in his life, in his actions, in his words, and importantly, in his faith. In Philippians 1.27, Paul says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Notice what he says, So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. It's knowing what you believe and not compromising it. And it's also living out what you say. See, guys, here's the deal. You need to not only say what you believe, you need to do it. Your family can't just hear what you say is right. They need to be able to see it. We're talking about spiritually here. Your children must not just hear you say, hey, it's really important to go to church. They need to see you going to church. Hey, it's a good idea to be a part of a group. They need to see you in a small group. It's a good idea to read your Bible. They need to see you doing it. You can't say one thing and do something else. Because guess what? Kids start picking up on that when they're probably about 18 months old. <laughs> it kicks in really early. They need to not just hear it. They need to see it. I've heard it my whole life. I've told you a little about how I was raised. I was raised in a home where God was feared and loved and served. And I've heard it my whole life, but I've seen it my whole life too. That's the difference for me and my parents. I remember the house that we grew up in, uh, getting up, stumbling out of my bedroom at whatever time it was, dark 030, oh dark 30, however you say that. You're ready to go to school. 
and getting ready to wander into the bathroom to take a shower. And at the end, in our house, at the end of the hallway, it wasn't an office, just kind of like an alcove at the end of the hallway, and there was a little desk. And I remember stumbling out of my bedroom to go to the shower to get ready for school, and I could see the light on and see my dad sitting there reading his Bible. I remember coming home from school and seeing my mom's Bible on the coffee table or on the cedar chest at the foot of her bed, and it wasn't there before, so I knew she had used it. It had been moved. Even today, when we go home and we hang out for... Uh, Christmas or we go and visit a little while, I come upstairs and I think I'm old. I mean, my dad is real. you know, I mean, obviously he's a few years older than I am. So I think I have the thing where I can't sleep in. He's rolling at like, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock. I mean, he's got to be up and moving and I'm sleeping down. Melody and I are downstairs in the guest room and you hear him plump, 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 plump across the floor, sitting in his chair by the picture window looking out over the St. John River and I get ready and I come upstairs and he's sitting there and what's he doing? He's reading his Bible. And we sit there and we talk and I say, where's mom? Well, she's back there and I walk halfway down the hall and I can see her in her room reading her Bible. I didn't just hear it, I'm seeing it. And guys, that's what's going to make a difference for your children. They need to not just hear you say it, they need to see you do it. I want you to grab this. If you don't remember anything else that we talk about this morning, please remember this, that your family and your children will not live the faith you talk about. They will live the faith you live. Okay? They will not live the faith you talk about. Well, I told them they should go to church, but when they got to be teenagers, they just didn't care. I told them they needed to... They will not live the faith you talk about. They will live the faith you live. Here's the third phrase. Act like men. Act like men. The phrase literally means behave like a man, and the implication is to mature and to grow up. Just grow up. If you have kids, you probably said that a time or two, right? Just grow up. Please, grow up. What are you saying? Take responsibility. Pick your socks up yourself. I don't need to do it anymore. Make your bed. Clean your room. Whatever it is. Grow up. Now, unfortunately, we are not encouraged in this culture at 18, 19, 20, 22 years old. We're not necessarily encouraged to grow up, are we? Hey, it's okay. You know, if it takes a few years to find yourself um, and you want to live in the basement until you're 30 or whatever it is that you want to do, you know, that's no problem. That's kind of how a lot of people roll in our world, right? Paul says, no, act like men. Grow up. Growing up means taking responsibility for yourself. And if you're a husband, if you're a father, it means not just taking responsibility for yourself, but for your wife and your children as well, your responsibility. That doesn't mean that you can't ever do anything fun for yourself, you can't enjoy yourself. That's not what we're talking about. It means taking responsibility. It means that as a mature, godly man, that the well-being of your family always comes first. It comes first. In Ephesians 5.25, Paul says it this way, 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Guys, God has given us the role of leader in our homes. Now, that doesn't deny your wife's intelligence or her ability. If you're anything like me, you're married to someone who is smarter than you, and that's a good thing. I'm thankful for it. does not deny her ability or intelligence at all, but it does mean that God has given you the role of leader, and that means you take the initiative You take the responsibility. And I believe with all my heart that in these verses that Paul shares with us here, he is telling us that one day we will stand before God and we will answer for how we have handled that responsibility. To sacrifice and to care for our wives and be responsible for our children. To lead and to initiate. Here's the fourth phrase from that verse. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and here's the fourth one, be strong. Now the word, the phrase be strong here literally means to become strong or to grow in strength. Now I don't know if you ever remember being on the playground uh, and you had these arguments like, you know, my dad can beat up your dad and my dad's stronger than your dad or, you know, any of those kinds of things. Um, We're not talking about physical strength here. I mean, dads come in all shapes and sizes. And sometimes as they get older, kids, your dad's shape changes and his size changes. I mean, that just happens. So we're not talking about that. We don't need anybody to be talking about anybody's size and shape here this morning, okay? We're talking, of course, about spiritual strength and power. And something that's very interesting about this verse, you know how I get all geeked up about grammar when we talk about these words, But this is in the passive tense. So in other words, what Paul is saying is here, you need to be made stronger. Okay. Now for the physical strength, I will admit, and yes, I am aware, even though I don't do it, that if I worked out, I would be in better physical shape. I understand that. It's not a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of desire on my part. I'll just be honest with you about that. That is, if I do this, and I jog, and I stretch, and I work out, I will make myself stronger. But Paul is not saying here, you need to make yourself stronger. He is saying, no, you need to be made stronger. Okay, what does that mean? Well, in Ephesians 3, verse 16, Paul says it this way, I'm praying that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, in your, inter, in your inner being. You need to be strengthened. In other words, you need to have the power that only God can give you as His Holy Spirit flows through you. See, there's two things that can happen here, guys. Two things. You can be sitting here this morning and you say, hey, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but I'm good. You know, I'm good. I'm doing okay. This is going well. I've got this. Or you could be sitting here saying, I don't got this. 
I'm not doing well. I'm not taking the responsibility like I need to. I'm not leading my family. I'm not initiating the way that I should be doing it. Well, the good news is this is for both of you. Because to the guy who's saying, I got this, I'm all set. For that guy, you need to understand. You need the power of God flowing through you in order to do this well. You know what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10? He said, let the guy who's standing be careful because he's going to fall. As soon as we think we got it, guess what? We don't got it. And we'll end up on our faces. But for the guy who says, I can't do this, God says, let me give you the power to do it. This kind of power is the opposite of the world's power. It's not domineering power. It's not, it's not overpowering. It's not bullying. It's the power that only comes through self-sacrifice and self-denial and self-discipline. And when Paul says, be strong, he's saying we need to have the strength that only God can give to lead and care for and support our families. The Bible provides a blueprint for what it means to be a godly man. Husbands, fathers, grandfathers, this is the blueprint for us. And wives, I encourage you, I challenge you to be praying for your husbands every day. Some guys, this comes naturally to. Some guys are the kind of guys that walk in and say, hey, do this, let's do this, let's get going, guys. Let's rally the troops, we got to do it. Some guys just take the initiative. Other guys are not like that. They are more passive personality-wise, and they don't, they don't leap to those occasions. In either instance, ladies, please be praying for your husbands and encouraging them to take the role that God has given them. And for those of you young guys out here, please be listening and learning and growing and prepared. This is what God calls us to. And my intention this morning is for this message to be a challenge, but I want you to also see that it's a message of hope as well. Because I know that none of you have done this perfectly, including me. I have not done it perfectly. I've been a husband for over 25 years, and I've been a father for almost 21, and I have not done it perfectly. There have been a lot of bad days. Last week when we were talking about our, our holiness and our sanctification and some of the things that God calls us to separate ourselves from in this world, I said, if you remember this, if you were here last week, I said, when is the best time to plant an oak tree? 30 years ago. When's the second best time? Today. And I'll say it again for this, guys. Men, husbands, fathers. The best time for you to be doing all these things 30 years ago, 25 years ago, 10 years ago, whenever it all started in your life, the second best time is today. And here's the good news. Because of God's grace, we can do it. Because grace, grace puts the past in the rearview mirror. Okay, that's what grace does. If you ever listen to Dave Ramsey, sometimes you hear him say something like, you know... There's a reason that the rearview mirror is eight inches wide and the windshield is four feet wide. 
because you need to be doing a whole lot more looking out this way than looking back that way. And the same is true with our lives, friends. The same is true for us. It's good to be aware of the past. We want to learn from our mistakes. We certainly don't want to repeat them, but we need to be going forward, and the time to start that is today. Don't sit and say, well, if I had done this, if I had done that, if I had done it this way, if I would changed this, if I would not done that, put that in the rearview mirror and by God's grace, do it differently today. Do it differently today. Maybe you've heard this prayer, this dad's prayer before. Your dad was spending some time with the Lord and he said, Father, I am so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your grace and your strength in my life. I haven't gotten impatient with anybody. I haven't gotten angry. I haven't said anything I shouldn't have said. I haven't done anything I shouldn't have done. I haven't gotten frustrated. Of course, I am going to get out of bed here in another minute or two, so I'm going to continue to need your grace going forward. Maybe that's what it feels like sometimes. You know, I'm okay once I'm in bed, but once I get up, it all falls apart. But God's grace can help us to be the person that we need to be, the leader, the man that we need to be. Grace says that we can move forward in God's strength. Will you do that? Will you make that determination that by God's grace, today is going to be different than yesterday? I asked Joe and Tara to sing the song for us this morning. That was a request from me. I'm asking that you would this morning stand with us as we close with this song, but ask yourself, is this the place that I'm at? Am I ready to surrender everything that I have? Can I sing this song like I mean it? Lord, I need you desperately every day. So one more thought as we close. If you had your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 16, the very next verse after the one that we looked like says, so let all that you do be done in love. So all these things, guys, that God calls us to, my final challenge is don't be hard and crusty. Don't be gruff and distant. That's not a man. Be the man God's calling you to do. He's calling you to be a lover of him be a lover of your wife and to be a lover of your children lead initiate be strong be watchful stand firm act like a man but do it lovingly do it tenderly and do it always putting them before yourself father for your goodness and your strength and your grace that we so desperately need every day we thank you Father, I ask that you would just go with each one here as we leave this place. You know every situation. You know there's way more than dads and husbands here in the room today. There are wives, there are moms, there are daughters and sons, there are grandparents. There are people who maybe feel they don't have any connections at all. For all of us, no matter what place we are in our lives, no matter what family situation, no matter what stage or circumstance, our prayer needs to be, Lord, I need you. 
Every hour, I need you. May we grasp that fully today. May that be the attitude of our hearts. May we surrender ourselves to you. May we trust you. May we be strengthened by you and your Holy Spirit. Help us not to take a hold of these things ourselves and muscle our way through, but to see that you, you are the one that we need. We need you, Father. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who works in us every day. Help us to be strong. Help us to be watchful. Help us to stand firm in our faith and take responsibility that you have given to us in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. Have a great week.